Hey, merry day after Christmas, everybody. Did you guys have a good time? It's a good day? Awesome. I hope, I hope in the midst of opening presents and spending time with loved ones that we got to remind ourselves for the reason for Christmas, right? That Christ came and he died for us and he overcame sin, death, and the grave and he sits at the right hand of the Father. Isn't the gospel beautiful? Man. I wanna take you back to a time several years back where some people got an early Christmas present. The sound of concrete getting demolished through hammers mingled with the sound of joy and excitement and celebration. It was November 9th, 1989, and for 6.5 million people, the people of East Germany, everything was about to change. You see, for years, they had been asking for Christmas for one thing, and that was for a wall to come down. And on November 9th, 1989, everything changed seemingly in an instant. This incredible event happened, and everything changed. Socially, politically, economically, everything changed. For us as Christ followers, a wall came down. See, Christ came and he died for us and everything about us changed. From the inside out, we were given a brand new identity. And for those on November 9th, 1989, they were asking the question that we ask ourselves. Now that everything has changed in my life, what do I do now? Now that I have this new identity in Jesus, how will I respond? And the noise that we can listen to in our world today is this. When it comes to your new identity, it's all right. It's just one of many things. And our world can hand you different scripts of this is who you really are. This is what you're really about. And Jesus is just this compartmentalized part of your life. Don't make a big deal about it. But have you ever taken a beach ball and tried to submerge it, a blown up beach ball, put it under the water? You know what starts to happen? You can't keep it down. It just shoots up out of the water. And it's like that for us as followers of Jesus when it comes to our identity. We can try to push it down. We can try to keep it submerged, but it just can't help but coming out of us. Christ came, everything changed. How do you respond? So turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three, verse one. We'll be starting in Colossians chapter three. And as you're flipping there, a little background on this beautiful book of Colossians. So Paul wrote to the church of Colossae, and it's all about Jesus, all of it. You go through chapter one and chapter two, and you see that everything was made for him and through him and by him. It is all about Jesus. There was nothing made that wasn't made through him. 
And Paul goes on to talk about how Jesus hung on the cross for your sins and for mine. And it wasn't about what I did or what you did. It was all about what he did. Colossians, the whole theme of it is Christ is everything. It's a beautiful book. And so as we get into chapter three, a couple other things we need to realize. The background in Colossae at this time is there's, there's a couple things going on. There was people outside the church that were trying to say, hey, this Jesus stuff, it's really not that big a deal. It's one of many things, one of many gods. It's just, you know, keep that submerged. You don't really need to talk about it. So he's, he's one of many. And Paul says, no, he's supreme. And then there's another group of people in the church that were saying, you know what, this Jesus stuff, it's great and all, but you need to add some things. They wanna eat certain foods and observe certain days and abstain from certain things. That will get you covered. It's Jesus plus this stuff. And Paul says, no, Jesus is everything. We are only saved by him. And so now we get to chapter three, verse one, and Paul's just getting warmed up. He's getting ready to hammer home this truth that is all about Jesus. So if you're there with me in Colossians chapter three, starting at verse one, just say, I'm there. Wonderful. Well, let's do this. Will you go with me to the Lord in prayer as we continue to devote this time to him? So Jesus, you are everything to us. Lord, just because Christmas was yesterday doesn't mean we lose sight of the fact that we get to celebrate the gospel every single day. And Jesus, just as Paul wrote to the church of Colossae, we, we get to say it is all about you. Lord, you know each person that's come through these doors today. You know what kind of Christmas they had. You know what kind of weekend they've had. You know the good and you know the hard. And so Jesus, would you minister to us, continue to minister to us during this time? Lord, would you work and move? When your word is open, God, you are working. And so, Lord, I pray for each one of my friends here and online that we would walk away from this a little closer to you, a little changed, a little more in love with you. Lord, we praise you for your gospel. We acknowledge you're here. And we pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Christ came. Everything changed. How do you respond? Well, when you look at Colossians chapter three, starting at verse one, here's what we're gonna find out. You embrace the new you. The 23 in me results are in, and you belong to Jesus. You embrace the new you. Look with me in verse one. If then you have been raised with Christ Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Verse four, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Christ came, everything changed. Embrace the new you. So we see in verse one, if then you have been raised with Christ, the implication from Paul is you have been raised 
with Christ. What does this mean? You died to your old self. And then like what we do every first Thursday here for baptisms, you might've heard it in the video announcements at the beginning of service. We're gonna have baptisms right here, first Thursday. And when you get baptized, what do we say? Buried with him in the likeness of his death and raised to walk in newness of life. Everything about you has changed. So if then you have been raised with Christ, if you identify with him as a Christ follower, you do. Paul goes on to say, seek the things that are above. Parents, yesterday morning, how did your kids do waiting for you to open up Christmas presents? It was hard, right? Because they're seeking after that gift. They just want it so bad. They want to open that gift and see what it is. And as soon as you gave the green light to open that gift, how did they respond? They tore that wrapping paper up, didn't they? I tore the wrapping paper up. I was so excited to open my presents. This is what God wants from us. It's seeking. We are fixated on him. It's this idea of a continual seeking, not just one time and done, but it is a ongoing, we are seeking him. And for emphasis, Paul goes on in verse two to say, set your minds on things above, not on things that are below. So Paul here is very intentional. We're seeking and we're setting our minds. And Paul tells us in verse one that this is where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. We are fixated on him. That doesn't mean that we're so heavily minded that we're no earthly good. No, in fact, we are so engaged in the moment, caught up in the gospel and what is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, excellent, worthy of praise. We are all in in the kingdom of God and what he's doing. So we are seeking the things that are above. We're setting our minds on him. Tomorrow I'm gonna be on the road driving down the turnpike. And as I drive, I'll be listening to the radio, jamming out to some tunes. And you know what happens after you get a certain distance down the turnpike? You start hearing some static Right, you start hearing some change on the radio and all of a sudden that song that you listened to that was so enjoyable, another song starts encroaching into it. And you find yourself listening to two different songs and before you know it, the old song's gone and the new song's overtaken it. And Paul here is saying, be fixated, set your mind to the radio station of the gospel of who Jesus is. Everything's changed, you are new, you've set your mind to him. And friends, if I were to be honest with you, there are times where the other stations can creep into the station of the gospel that I'm in tune with, competing for one another. And sometimes before I know it, I've lost sight of that first station. Can anybody relate, right? And God's calling us, set your mind, Seek the things that are above. But here's what I love about scripture so often is they give us the why. They give us the motivation. They give us a here's why you can do this. So look with me in verse three and it says this, for, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. You can't seek the things that are above out of your own doing because of how awesome you are or how much you have it all together. Let's be honest, guys. We're all a little bit of a mess, right? We know we can't do this on our own, but it's for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. You can seek and set 
because of what Christ has done because of that new identity. I find it so interesting in verse three, the fact that no longer are we hiding from him, we are hiding in him. Did you catch that? No longer are we hiding from him. We can all go around the room and online, we can all talk about this, the fact of our story. When we were hiding from God, we were enemies with him. We were away from him, just like Adam and Eve in the garden with the fall, we were hiding from him. But God sought us and the God we hid from is now the God who we hide in. Isn't God amazing with his redemption story in your life? And then as we get into verse four, speaking of what he's done in our life, it says, when Christ, who is your life, he is your life, not compartmentalized, not a little thing on the side, he is your life. And when he appears, there also you will appear with him in glory. And everybody who has a sickness and an ailment and a pain said, amen, right? You're gonna have this resurrected body. You will appear with him. So we've been hidden in Christ. We no longer hide from him. We're hidden in him. And then one day we will appear with him in glory. We don't live just for this life, as phenomenal as it is. Eternal life is now, guys. But we know what is to come. He's coming Back and you will have a resurrected body and he will appear. How beautiful is this? And you and I, friends, get to be a part of this. Christ came, everything changed. How do you respond? So we all in our wallets and our pockets and our purses, if you drove here, I really hope you have this, a driver's license and on that driver's license is listed different things. And so I pull out my driver's license. It'll tell you, you know, about some different facts about me. And I have red hair and I have hazel eyes. And, and you've got your own set of identifying factors. Well, as followers of Jesus, we've been given our own identification, right? We've been given our own list of things that are on there of identifying factors. And it starts with this. You've been raised with him. You, you have died with him. Your life is hidden with Christ and God and Christ is your life and one day you will appear with him in glory. You have a new identification from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Christ came, everything changed. Embrace that new you. Well, how else do we respond to what God has done for us, this identification, identity change. Well, number two, you ditch the old you. It doesn't belong to you anymore. You throw it away, you get rid of it. And so we're about to come here to a list in verses five through 11. And the temptation for us in this list, because, well, we're Americans, because we're human beings, the temptation is to say, I'm gonna copy and paste this list into a separate document titled How to Earn My Way. And I'm gonna have this covered. This is gonna be my New Year's resolution. I'm gonna check each thing off the box. But one of two things happen from that. You either get puffed up or you get so overcome by the weight of this that you get crushed, puffed up or crushed. 
So the third option is this. We read this within its context of what Paul is trying to tell us. Anybody here have an issue with their eyesight, glasses, corrective lenses, anything? Yeah, okay, so I am so, I have such bad eyesight. I'm wearing contacts. If I had them out, you guys would be, all be a bunch of blurs. It would not, I would fall off the stage. And so for those of us with that poor eyesight, and maybe all of us, we go to the eye doctor, right? And they give us that exam. I gotta be honest, that exam stresses me out. It really does, because I don't wanna make the wrong decision. What if I say the wrong thing and my eyesight's changed for life? And this is just the way my, my mind works. And so they put that thing on your face, right? One of you guys can tell me this after service, what, what it is. But they put this thing on your face um, and you have to look through it, right? And they tell you different lenses and they, you, know, you have to say A or B or one or two or this one's better than that one. And I'm stressing out. And it gets to that one point, you've, maybe you've had this test where they put this image just right in the middle. Like, so you're looking through this big thing and you put this image that you can see and it just stays there, doesn't move. And they take this same image, they duplicate it, and they put it over here on the side, and they say, tell me when these line up. And I'm stressing, man. I tell you, I don't wanna mess this thing up, and it gets closer and closer. I'm, oh no, okay, what do I do? Stop. And hopefully it lines up. But you know what I found out the secret is to that test? The secret is this. I gotta keep my eyes on that fixed image. I keep my eyes on it, and when I do that, I got confidence. I can line this thing up, right? So for us as followers of Jesus, we gotta keep our eyes set on who we are, our identity. And as we do that, you know what? Our works and what we do is gonna flow out of that and just line up. But when we lose sight of our identity, <laughs> praise him for that. When we lose sight of our identity, it changes things. Right, and then we can start falling into that. I'm either gonna get puffed up or I'm gonna get crushed by the list. But let's keep our eyes fixated on who we are, amen, church? So, so as we take this test, let's do this together, looking at our identity. So verse five, put to death what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. And so we see here, we've got this list, these two sets of, of five essentially, where sexual immorality and then more kind of like lies and anger and what we do with our words and both of them deal with the heart. And Paul says, put it to death. Imagine you're cooking in your kitchen. Some of you might not cook, but just imagine you are in this. You're cooking in your kitchen, and all of a sudden, on the wall, you see something horrifying, terrifying. You see a spider. Are you going to stop cooking and say, hey, spider, do you want some of my meal? Let me feed you. Let me keep you as a pet. You can hang out here. No. What do you do? You pick up a rolled up magazine, and you kill it, right? You put it to death. Kill it. I hate spiders, in case you haven't noticed. 
Guys, when Paul is saying put to death, he means put to death. It's got no place with us anymore, right? In our exam that flows out of our identity, we say, hey, that does not fall in line with who I am. That does not identify, I do not identify with that any longer. Such were some of you, but no more. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6. He gives this list of sins of the church of Corinth. And guys, Corinth is a hot mess. You think you're a hot mess and maybe you are, right? And maybe I am, but boy, Corinth, whew, they had some issues. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, he lists this whole list. Do you not know? And he lists off adulterers and, and murderers and all these different kinds of sins. Do you not know that it's not gonna have any place in the kingdom of God? And he says this, but such were some of you. But you are washed, you are justified, you are sanctified, you are cleansed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we come to this list, it's not about, oh man, I've done those things, I'm doing those things, God doesn't love me anymore. No, it's this doesn't define you anymore. So we get to partake in putting to death, letting ourselves line up with what our identity already is. And so Paul continues on in this list and he, he goes to verse nine and says, do not lie to one another, seeing as that you've put off the old self with its practices. And look at verse 10, you've put on the new self. You took off the old, you've put on the new. You see, the old self was, was a mess. You had these messy clothes, right? You're filthy, you're a mess. And this idea of, hey, we're, we're getting rid of those. They're going in the garbage where they belong, right? You're not putting these through the wash. They're just going in the garbage. And I'm putting on that brand fresh new set of clothes. This is a complete and total change in identity. Complete 180. You've taken off the old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image its creator. So you've put on this new self and guess what? This new self keeps on changing. It keeps on changing and morphing more and more into the image of Jesus as you get to know him and continue to grow with him and continue to fall in love with him and embrace his love for you. You're changing. Not because of how awesome you are, right? But because it's just continuing to get in line with what your identity already is taken off the old self, you've put on the new. Some of us need to hear these words because we drag around our past like a bunch of weights just weighing us down. And so some people in this room need to hear this. You don't belong to that old self anymore. It's, have you noticed it already got put off? When you came to Jesus, you put on the new self. The old self has been taken care of. It is gone. It does not belong to you anymore. It does not define you. May you know, may you know, may you know that you are washed, you are cleansed, justified, sanctified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That is how he sees you, church family. So for some of us, maybe that driver's license is expiring. And if you could, you know, if you could renew it, please, that'd be great. Um, and those of you that don't have the license, we already established, if you drove here, please, please get one. Um, but, but for those of you, you know, maybe, maybe it's come time to, for that license to expire. And what happens? You go to the DMV, you wait in line, ugh. And you get to the end, you get to the front of the line, and they have you take that new picture, no pressure, you're only gonna have it for 10 years. <laughs> and you give them that old ID, 
You know what they do with it? Punch a hole in it, give it back to you. That hole signifies this is invalid. This doesn't work anymore. Guys, as followers of Jesus, he took that old ID. If you think about everything that was written on that ID of who you were, the mistakes you made, the problems you had, the people that hurt you or the people that you hurt, the, the, the ways that you feel unclean and that you messed up and you screwed up. He took that old ID and guess what? When he went to the cross, this is in Colossians 2, he took that old ID and he nailed it on the cross with him. And when he rose from the grave, when he rose from the grave, he handed that ID back to you with that hole punched in it. And he said, this is invalid. This doesn't belong to you anymore. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Put it through the shredder. Doesn't belong to you because you have been washed. You have been cleansed. You have been made new. You have taken off the old self. You have put on the new. And that new self is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Christ came. Everything changed how do we respond? Will we embrace the new us? We ditch the old us. And we allow the new us to change us from the inside out. We allow ourselves as we look on who we are, our identity, we allow it to change us and shape us and mold us from the inside out. Not the outside in, from the inside out. Look with me in verse 12. And Paul has just finished saying this in verse 11, by the way. Here, there's no Greek or Jew. There is no Greek or Jew. There is no circumcised or uncircumcised. There's no barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all, and he is in all. The difference between a Scythian and a Reformed Greek in that day was pretty big. If you had a Scythian at a, your Christmas dinner yesterday, it would have been an interesting time. Everything changed so much about us that we have this in common, Christ, the most important thing. Our differences are so minor in the midst of this major, major change of Christ in us. And so now we get to celebrate our differences instead of being divided over them. Christ in you is all in all. And so Paul uses that momentum going in to verse 12 to say this, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So as we continue to look at our, our ID, we see now that we are chosen, we are holy, and we are beloved. Sometimes we don't feel chosen, do we? Sometimes we don't feel holy. Sometimes we don't feel dearly loved. But right here, I'm not saying this. God's word is saying this to you. You're chosen. You're holy. You're beloved. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter. You are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a people for his own possession. You've been called out of darkness and into his marvelous, marvelous light to proclaim the excellencies of him. Like incredible. You are chosen and you are holy 
and you are beloved. This goes on, your identification. So Paul goes on with this in mind. Put on then, in light of this, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. This is a beautiful list. It's got five things and it kind of adds on to the fifth. And you notice that Paul says, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. This whole list is in light of what God has done for you. Paul uses forgiveness, but Christ, who had a compassionate heart to you, now you get to have a compassionate heart to others. Christ, who was kind to you, now you get to be kind to others. Christ, who was humble to you, now you get to be humble to others. And the list goes on. This all flows out of the gospel. This is not a copy and paste and let me try to do my best New Year's resolution. Now, this comes through knowing what Christ has done for you and it flows out. God's forgiven you, church. God loves you. He has a compassionate heart to you. He's humble to you. Just bask in that. He loves you. And then he goes on and he talks about above all these things, above all these things, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect harmony. Anybody here play any instruments? Play any, play any music? Yes, okay, nice. I'm a saxophone player myself. I haven't played a note in about a decade, but I, you know, I'm, I'm there. I, play, I dabble in guitar. But you look at an orchestra and you think about all the different pieces of that orchestra. So cello and violins and violas and timpanis. And each one of those is making this beautiful sound together. So when Paul's using this list, we got the instruments of compassion, the instruments of humility and kindness and meekness and patience. And Paul's getting at, it's coming all together in this beautiful sound. Why? Because the conductor has the baton of love. He's calling the different instruments to play. He's leading them. The love is guiding them, binding them together in perfect harmony. And guess who the conductor of that love is? Guess who the source of that love is? The source of the symphony is and is Jesus Christ leading and guiding us. And so church family, let's be that beautiful sound here, right? Let's be that beautiful sound before the gathering and after the gathering and in our Calvary groups or Calvary classes. Let's be that beautiful sound together, coming together in perfect harmony for Christ. But again, it comes from that identity in him, not from our own strength, not from our own doing. And so Paul goes on to say a couple things that we allow, that we let in in this new life of being changed from the inside out. Verse 15, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body. How do you let something? Well, you, just, you allow it. You let it in. Let God's peace come into your hearts. Let it rule, let it reign, let it have dominion. This idea of it ruling, it's like an umpire who's calling the shots. 
It's deciding and settling with finality all the questions, doubts, and fears that arise in our hearts. God's peace gets the final say. That decision you have to make at work, that issue going on at home, maybe that major financial decision, God has the final say because his peace rules in your heart. It's the umpire calling the shots. So you let his peace rule in your heart. And Paul throws in there, and be thankful. It's hard to have peace when you're not thankful. It's hard to be thankful when you don't have peace. All of these, have you noticed? These are all heart things. This is anything but external and be a good person. No, this is all coming from our heart in the context of Colossians. It's not be a great person, not do better. It's Christ has done this. I have this identity and I'm just continuing to line it up. So be thankful. And then Paul goes on to say, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Oh, I love that. Let it dwell. You think about dwelling, it's abiding. It's making its home with you. You let something dwell in you, that means it's really taken root. It's hard to let the words of Christ dwell in us when we open up that book once a week, right? But what dwells in us? Well, what dwells in us is the things that we're constantly around, that we constantly hear and think about and listen to. I promised myself I wouldn't tell you this, but this is a safe place. Um, guys, I, I, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. And so what that means is I know all the players. I know all the Super Bowls. I know all the things about how bad they've been over 20 years, and I still like them. But do I let God's word dwell in my heart like I can rattle off these statistics? Do you let God's word dwell in your heart like you can rattle off whatever other random facts? Let it dwell. Let it marinate. Maybe you've got a, a, one of those um, slow cookers at home. You, know, you put your, your meal in the crock pot and now it's just cooking away. Sorry, I know I'm gonna make you guys hungry. And what happens? It marinates, right? Those flavors come out and you get home and... You can just smell your kitchen and it smells so good. When Paul's talking about letting God's word dwell in our hearts, it's kind of that idea where it's sitting and stewing and marinating and just continuing to cultivate in our lives. And guess what? What's inside of you, what's dwelling in you comes out. So when God's word dwells in you, it can't help but just come out. And so when you are just living life, are you letting God's word be the soundtrack of your life? We wanna help you do this. If you are not spending time with God on a regular basis, we really wanna encourage you to have a plan. And so we wanna direct you, if you don't have a plan, if you don't maybe have that Bible reading plan, this is a great time to do it. And so on our website, calvarypsl.com slash discipleship, you'll see there's a, a one-year Bible reading plan through Blue Letter Bible, and it's Old Testament and New Testament um, different readings each day. I like that there's both, um, mostly every single day, and it's just awesome. But what it is, is just, it's letting God's word dwell in you. And let me give you a little spoiler. December 31st, 2022, guess what? Chances are you won't have completed your Bible reading plan on time. <laughs> Chances are you didn't do it perfectly, right? And that's not the point, the point is grace-filled discipline. 
right? I'm continuing to line myself up with my identity as grace-filled discipline. My wife is amazing, and I tell you what, I'm not the perfect husband to her. I'm not batting a thousand every time, guys, let me tell you. And you, uh, you know what I don't do? Oh, I'm never gonna get it right, never mind. Not even gonna spend time with her, right? No, what? I'm gonna engage in relationship with the most important human being in my life because I want to grow with them. It's the same thing with God. You're gonna do this imperfectly, guys. You're gonna be doing this imperfectly, but don't give up. Spend that time in grace-filled discipline, spending time with him day in and day out. Why? Because God's word dwells in you. And what dwells in us comes out. And so Paul continues on this flow of thought. When God's word dwells in us, this is verse 16, we're teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and insight, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. So when we let God's word dwell in us, we then are able to teach we're able to admonish or correct. We're able to sing songs. Wasn't that awesome Get to sing to the Lord earlier this morning? We're able to do these things because of the overflow of our heart. And if you have any form of influence, if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, if you have a pulse, you have influence, you need to have God's word dwell because we're teaching everybody things, right? You're teaching whether you realize it or not. We're admonishing. We can let the song of our hearts be glorifying to God and an inspiration to others. But we gotta let God's word dwell in us. Let God's word dwell in you richly. Why? Because you have been transformed from the inside out. Christ came. Everything about you changed. How are you gonna respond and then, just for good measure, Paul throws in verse 17. Check out verse 17 of Colossians chapter three. And whatever, whatever. What does whatever mean? It means whatever. You don't need to know Greek or anything else to know whatever you do in word or deed. Okay, Paul, we're listening because whatever means whatever, so I better get this. Whatever you do in word or deed, do some things, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do everything. You see, the transformed life, the inside-out transformation means there's no menial tasks in the kingdom of God. Do everything. So when you do the dishes, guess what? You get to do it in his name. When you walk the dog, you get to do it in his name. When you are doing your taxes, oh my goodness, you're still doing it in his name. There is no menial task in the kingdom of God. Everything you do has significance and matters. This is the transformed life. It all has significance. So we get to do it, church family, in thankfulness to him for what he has done for us. Christ came. Everything changed. How will you respond one of my favorite days of the week is Wednesday nights when I have my Calvary group. And I love it. I love getting to be with them. We, we meet outside. We have a great time. And uh, I, we just threw up a, a, a picture of um, when we were here for a baptism. One, someone in our uh, group, Kim, got baptized and got the honor of baptizing her. And we got to celebrate with her after. And there was another day too, about a month ago, 
where we had a Friendsgiving and everyone brought their food and it was delicious. I had flan, flan, whatever that's called. It was amazing. It was amazing. I totally said flan wrong. That's hilarious. And as I'm eating my delicious dessert, it was so great getting to meet and talk with these amazing people that I've been doing life with. But one of the questions we asked was, what's something we don't know about you? We spent all this time with you. What's something we don't know about you? And I just loved that moment, not just because of my delicious dessert, but because of what people were sharing. And I thought to myself, I want everybody to experience this. You see, Colossians 3, 1 through 17 is not meant to be lived in isolation. It was meant to be lived in community with others. We want you to experience not just growing in a row, but growing in a circle. And you guys are gonna say, Andrew, that's because you're the discipleship pastor. But the reason I am is because I'm so passionate about this. It's not because of this. It's not because of my role or my title. It's because of Acts 2, right? It's because of Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Guys, we were made to live in community. And so here's what I want to do. I wanna give you a next step, a little next step, all right? If you're not involved in a community right now, if you're not involved in a discipleship environment, I wanna give you an opportunity, again, a small step to do something about it. So we're gonna throw up this slide here and it's got a number for you. And so those who are watching Church Online, it's gonna be thrown up in the chat and you're gonna text GROW to 772-277-7705. We're gonna leave that up for a moment. And if for some reason you miss it, you can go on our website and uh, there's a button there on calvarypsl.com slash discipleship and it says, I wanna grow. You can click on that and it's gonna be the same thing. But what I want you to do is if you're not involved in a discipleship environment, this is that application to what we just talked about. And you're gonna get a few check-ins from us, just a few texts from us over the next month. We're not gonna send you a whole bunch of spam or anything like that. Um, I, I get way too many of, of, of that from who knows who, right? But over the next few months or a few weeks, you're gonna get a few texts and we're just gonna check in with you, encouragement of how to get engaged in discipleship environment. See, February 7th, our discipleship environments are gonna kick off, our groups and our classes, our new ones. And then we've got, we've got a discipleship, a Disciple Connect that's gonna be going on the last weekend of January. It's gonna be a chance right out here, uh, outside uh, on the patio to get connected to groups that are going on. You can meet leaders face-to-face -face and talk with them. We've got leader training coming up in a couple weeks. I mean, it's an amazing month for discipleship. So if there's ever a time to apply Colossians 3, 1 through 17, that time is now. And so when you hit send with this text, what I want you to do is just let that be more than anything else, something you're saying to God, God, I'm all in. I'm all in for applying Colossians 3. I am all in. This is God between me and you when I hit send. This is my commitment to you. Help me to embrace the fact, Jesus, that you came and that everything changed. And as a result of that, I can embrace my new identity. I can ditch my old identity and I can let the new me transform me from the inside out. So church family, as we bring this time to a close, may we remember that God has invaded our lives. God has changed everything from the inside out for you and for me. And for the people of Germany back in 1989, well, 
10 years later, on the 10 year anniversary, the chancellor of Germany at the time had these words to say. He said, the wall was an edifice of fear, but on that day, on November 9th, it became a place of joy. You see, where death took place is where we found life, what once was that place of fear. Once once was that place of hopelessness. Christ came and he died on the cross and he rose from the grave for you and me and he changed everything. The wall came down. You are different. So Christ came, everything changed. And now let's respond, church family, and let's celebrate. Love you guys.